I want to share with you guys um, something very close to my heart this morning. It's going to be the chapter of Galatians 2. So if you guys will go ahead and, and turn there if you have your Bibles with you. Um, but before we get into that, I want you guys to know I am fired up for this morning. I'm ready to go this morning. I'm excited for this morning. Uh, to give you guys a little heads up, Doug gave me like two months of preparation for this, so I've had time to look over it and prepare for it, so if I'm all over the place, talk to Doug afterwards. Don't give me that much preparation time to look at a certain chapter. Um, the main reason, though, I'm excited for this morning is I have seen God shake this church up here recently, getting involved in doing different things, meals for the homeless. The broken dinner, choosing to serve, people stepping out saying, hey, we want to do this thing called outreach. We want to know what God is doing beyond just one hour a week. And it's incredible seeing you guys being shaken to the core, I believe, by the word of God. And it has nothing to do with myself or Doug or Ben. The reality is the reason this church is being shaken to the core is because we're a Bible preaching church. And we are not going to water down the Word of God to fill our offering plate or to bring more people out, okay? That's not what we're here for. We're here to share the gospel with you because that's what's going to change lives. We don't want to give you fluff. We don't want to just say, hey, here's how you can feel good this week. That's not what we're here about. We're here because of what Jesus has done for us. You know, the Word of God says about itself that it will not return void, and I believe that's what we're seeing here in this church. The Word of God being preached week in, week out, and it's changing lives. There's a bunch of faces here this morning. I'm looking going, man, I thought I knew everyone here. Now I'm going, I don't, there's certain people here, I have no clue who you are, and I'm sorry if I don't know you yet. You know, we do our best to get to know everyone here, but there's certain times, you know what, we, we struggle because there is a, a number of people here. So hopefully someone on our leadership team here has gotten to meet you so far. Um, and made you feel welcome. I know it was a little bit chaotic in the back this morning. It was my kids who were spilling drinks everywhere. That happens. But, man, we just want to make you guys feel like you're at home, that this is a community, and that we are sharing the Word of God with you. You know, um, the section we're going to look at this morning in Galatians chapter 2, when you read it first, it looks like confrontation. It looks like Paul is, is just chewing into Peter. In today's world, we call it Judgment. In today's world, like, whoa, 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 we can't have this kind of thing in our church. We can't have a confrontation take place. Guys, the reality is maybe we need a little more confrontation in church. Because when we look at this word, Paul isn't saying, hey, Peter, you're just doing something I don't like. Paul is pointing out sin. And I believe that's kind of what's needed in today's church. It's starting to call sin what it is. Saying, hey, I see something wrong. I'm not judging you as your leader. I'm keeping you from driving off a cliff. So you guys would, let's turn to Galatians chapter 2. And we're going to dive in this morning. Galatians chapter 2, starting in verse 11. And I'm going to be reading a little bit this morning, so just bear with me. It's actually why I wore my glasses. I usually don't, but I figured I, I probably should be able to see. So hopefully I get this right. It says, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. For what he did was very wrong. Have you guys ever done anything wrong in your life? Yeah, I think we all have. Now the question is, do you have anyone in your life who's willing to point that out to you when you do wrong? Most of you, if you're married, your husband, your wife has no problem with that. 
What about friends or somebody else to hold you accountable? Because guys, I believe that's the starting point, right? That we need people in our lives who can look and go, hey, I see you're screwing up, man. Let me come alongside you. Let me help you. And at first, it might hurt. At first, you might not want to hear what they have to say, especially someone close to you. Like, man, Jason, you're telling me that I know what you do. Don, I don't want to hear what you have to say because I know how I, we don't like when people come at us with confrontation. But sometimes it's exactly what we need. That's what Paul is doing here. When he first arrived, let's talk about Peter. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of everyone else, Since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentile followers, Gentiles, follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus, so we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean that Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God, we come to you now. We praise you. We thank you for this opportunity we have to open your word this morning. God, I thank you for the stirring that's taken place in this church a heart, a desire to draw closer to you and then to share that love with others in this area. And God, I pray right now, just as you've convicted me over this message, that your conviction would go forth this morning. You would open our eyes to areas in our own hearts that we need to work on. That we might leave here having to think a little bit and going, man, there's things I need to change. So God, I pray right now over your word this morning. In Christ's name, amen. So in this situation, we have a confrontation going on. Paul confronting Peter. Because of areas in his life he saw that weren't lining up. In the beginning of the passage, it says that, that Peter was eating with the Gentiles. He was spending time with them. He was getting to know them. He was building relationships with them. You know, when you're sitting down and having a meal with someone, usually unless it's complete awkward silence, which maybe you guys have been on first dates before where it's like, I really don't want to know this person, this is weird. Usually if you're out to eat with someone, you're getting to know them, right? There's a reason you're there. There's a reason behind Peter meeting with the Gentiles. And this goes back to Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, Peter's given a vision. Before from God, to go to the Gentiles. And we're going to do a little bit more into that passage here in just a second. So if you guys want to turn to Acts 10, 
And then I'm going to have you quit kind of flipping around, but just so we get the history behind all this and why it's so important. Up until this point, Peter, as a Jew, would not associate with the Gentiles. There was division there. There was hundreds of years of law against Jews and Gentiles gathering together. It'd be like going into a church, going into a building, Jews, you're this side, Gentiles, you're that side. A split down the middle. No association. Law is literally against one another. Even in that passage in Galatians 2, Paul says, you are a Jew by birth, not one of those sinners. Not one of those people. How many times in today's world do we look at certain people and go, oh, they're the religious, oh, they're the sinners. There's the bad people. Oh, I grew up in Richland. Oh, there's the people from downtown. Oh, we're Richland. They're Westmont. And oh, we got the Baptists here. We got the Catholics over here. We can't associate. We can't cross that divide. There's a division here. And whether we say it or not, there's, there's certain denominations. We look and go, oh, they have certain rules. We can't follow that. And even as Christians, we, we create that divide. And that's what Paul is confronting here. Let's look back to Acts chapter 10, verse 9 to 29, to give you a little more history of where this division was broken down. Because like I said, up until this point, there was thousands of years of laws against this type of behavior. What if I came to you and said, you, you're not allowed to go out to eat with them after church. We'll be like, what do you mean I can't go out to eat with them? Well, they're sitting on the other side of the aisle. You can't talk to them. That's what it kind of was. This division. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. And we're going to read through 29. So I know it's a little bit longer section again, but then we'll start diving in. The next day as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. Now, so you guys understand, this has to do with the Old Testament laws against certain foods being unclean. So it's a representation of unclean people, but it's also talking about unclean food. You know, the Jews had some crazy laws. Like it was, some of, if you start reading through the Old Testament, like all the laws they were trying to follow are just astronomical. I wouldn't even want to try and understand or keep all these laws. But that's what it's talking about here. It says, No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter is very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's gate or Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was living there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, We were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He's a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. 
They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up, I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside, where many others were assembled. Peter told them, You know it is against our laws. Remember that point. You know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a home like this, or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. We're going to stop there. Because after this encounter, Peter has with Cornelius. Cornelius and his family come to Christ, are baptized. But it took Peter breaking and going according to God's leading to the Gentiles. Up until this point, like I said, laws against. Peter is not allowed to fellowship with them, associate with them, go to them. But in this moment, God gives Peter vision, say, hey, go. I am the one sending you. I'm the one leading you. Go to these people. This barrier that's here that exists, Peter, go, be my messenger. So Peter goes, and because he crosses that barrier, he goes to the Jews, or he goes to the Gentile as a Jew, he's able to share with them Christ and lead them to faith. What's crazy is after this, time frame passes, Peter's still fellowshipping with the Gentiles, but then his Jewish friends start coming back around. It says, those from James come near to Peter. And what's Peter do? In Galatians chapter 2, he leaves him. He leaves him. He goes back to his old ways. His old ways of thinking. He flees because he's worried about criticism. So picture this with me. Where's Talib at? Where's Talib? Talib, get up here for me real quick. I need, I need Talib as a volunteer. Not, I'm calling on Talib for a certain reason. And so you guys know, I've already talked to him about this. Because I started thinking about this and doing research on it, and even reading through Keller's book, this division that existed, you've got to grab a seat there for me. This division that existed wasn't just Jew and Gentile. It was about a racial barrier. That's the best way to describe the division that was going on between Jews and Gentiles. Peter was your Jew, the clean, the insider, the one with direct access to God. Gentiles were the outsiders. Unwelcome. Let's think of it like a country club. How many of you guys belong to a country club? Any of you guys? A few of you? Most times country clubs have set rules, right? Set ways of dressing, set ways of talking, set ways of doing things. Because you're a member. You're the insider. You have your way that this club works. Then there's those on the outside. Not quite as welcome unless you have that special card. Not quite as welcome unless you know someone, you have a connection there. There's division. The best way to describe this, and I know some people might shake their heads, 
The best way to truly understand this is racism in America. Laws against blacks and whites and fellowship for hundreds of years. For hundreds of years, this took place as law. And it was accepted. I'm using this analogy today because up until Peter had the vision about going to the unclean people, it was the same thing. You cannot be in my house. Laws. That's just the vision. Yeah, you just walk in my house now. I am knocking. I know. Laws against it. So I just picture Peter here with me now. Just picture Peter associating with the Gentiles, enjoying this fellowship. Because after his encounter with Cornelius, Peter was going to the Gentiles. He was spending time with them. He was eating with them. So this morning, I'm calling this message, I love bacon. Because also, as you guys know, up until this time, bacon was forbidden. How many guys love bacon here? Maybe more, uh, you didn't even let me finish the statement. I'll say more than your spouse. So you better calm down a little bit. Now we've got to do some marital counseling in here. I have a son at home that I got Lynn's a couple years ago. says, I love you more than bacon. She thought it was hilarious. But we do. We, we celebrate, celebrate bacon. We do. Like it's, there's something about it. So just picture this with me, though. Peter, in fellowship with the Gentiles, sitting there. I'll grab a stool, too, so it looks like we're actually eating. All right. Peter's sitting there with the Gentiles, chowing down on some bacon. There you go, buddy. Freshly made this morning. Yeah, that's right. See, up until this point, bacon, shrimp, that kind of stuff, <laughs> it wasn't allowed. It was against the law. So let's picture Peter here, fellowshipping, going, man, I never knew about you. Tell me more about the Gentile culture. Tell me more about the outsiders. Tell me more about where you're coming from. And actually getting to know him. Spending time in relationship with him. Man, if you eat all that, Lindsay's going to come after you. As Silas comes running forward. So up until this point, there's a division. There's a division that took place. This vision in Acts chapter 10, though, broke this barrier down. God telling Peter, go. Kill and eat. No one is unclean if I've made them clean. So the Gentiles were now seen as a people group that God was reaching out to. No longer seen as the outsider. No longer seen as a divide. So I just imagine, like I said, Peter just chowing down, enjoying it. Tlaib's enjoying it. We're just like, man, this, this, I didn't know that about you. This is crazy. How awesome. Peter enjoying the fellowship, getting to know new people. Until they see their religious friends off in the distance. Doug starts coming in the back door. Doug's the old way of living. Starts coming in the back door. And I throw the bacon down real quick. I'm not eating that. The Gentile brought that, Doug. I promise you. That was not my... The Gentile, the outsider, the unclean. He did it to me. Creating this divide again. Going, I can't associate with them. That's against my religious law. I can't be part of this. You see the issue? I'm enjoying the fellowship with Tlaib. I'm hanging out with him until my religious friends come around. And then I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Can't be there. And that's exactly what the scripture is saying here in Galatians 2. Peter did. Enjoying the fellowship of the outsider, the unclean, sharing Jesus, sharing love, because he knew his life had been changed. 
until our religious, legalistic friends come around going, whoa, whoa, go back to your ways. Go back, you do your thing. I don't know you. You eat your bacon. It might sound crazy. Yeah, I'm using that analogy. And to leave those, I say this in, in all love and in all friendship. Like, him and I have gotten extremely close, and he truly is like an initial parent of my kids at times. Like, he'll just show up even when I'm whatever. doesn't matter. He just shows up. But I say this because, guys, even Martin Luther King Jr. said the hour of greatest segregation in our country is Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. And you might be sitting here going, Josh, that's still old-fashioned. No, it's not. In 2015, LifeWay did a whole research study. 86% of churches are still segregated. 86% of churches where we are supposed to be proclaiming the name of Christ, breaking down this barrier that Peter had broken down and going, hey, you know what? doesn't matter your skin color. doesn't matter the language you speak. It doesn't matter what background you came from or denomination you are. What matters is Jesus Christ and Him changing lives. The problem is, we can do that for an hour a week in church. Go, oh, yeah, Talib, it's awesome. High five. Let's get together sometime. And then after we leave church, like, I'm not getting lunch. I'm not going to get lunch with you. Why would I ever? We'll shake hands in church. Like, oh yeah, Mark, life's great, right? Awesome. I don't want to know about the rest of your week. And we segregate ourselves. We divide ourselves. Whether it's over race, whether it's over class, over maybe someone who doesn't have as much as you do. Maybe it's just different preferences. Like, but we do, we separate ourselves. We come together where we know the barrier has been broken, where God has set us free from the clean, the unclean. But then when we walk out the doors, we forget that God has changed us, and we go back to our religious ways. You can go ahead and, you're already taking a seat, but you're good. You don't have to stay there the whole time if you don't want. Get out of here. Look at me real quick. Where's our youth group? Where's youth group, kids? All right, I'm going to speak to you guys up here. Awesome. I'm going to speak directly to you. Because we do this the most amongst teenagers. Amongst youth group kids. Where we can pretend to be best friends. We all sit here on the couch while Ben's talking. Like, oh, it's so awesome getting to see you. How can I pray for you? We get to school, we stab each other in the back. Because of something somebody shared in prayer here. We get to school next day. Oh, I got the new gossip. They opened up to me in prayer last night. You want to know what's going on in their life? All right, let's talk. And we stab each other in the back. And it's crazy to think, guess what, as adults we still do it. Because we live in a world that loves to talk. And I just imagine Paul coming in the doors right now going, church, this cannot be. You were set free by Jesus Christ. You don't have to live under that religious way anymore. You are free because of faith in Christ. It's about Him being part of who you are. Guys, I'm standing up here as a convicted heart. Because this past week, God truly just exposed some areas of my life going, what are you doing? You know, I have an absolute passion for the broken dinner. I love being down there. I love serving, getting to know the people from the city. But I'll be honest, there's times where I'll spend my, my Thursday nights down there. I'll go in, I'll hug on people, I'll get to know their names, get to know their stories. But there's also times where I run into that same person in Walmart and I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk right now. 
And I'll turn and go the other way. What's the difference in what Paul is talking about here? Me associating, fellowshipping with these people on a Thursday night for that hour, and then I see them, I don't know them. Or we get around certain friends like, oh yeah, this is, oh wait, they're from the broken there. I'm not going to talk to them around my church friends. We do it. And like I said, I'm being honest and vulnerable to you guys, saying, it's me too. It's a work in my heart God is still changing me on. But here's what we have to get back to and understand. Paul doesn't just confront Peter's issue here. Paul doesn't just come at Peter saying, hey, you're screwing up. He gives him the reason. He says, Paul, were you not changed by faith, not by works? Were you not changed by faith in Christ over obeying the law? You were changed by faith. So why are you going back to your works, to your religious system? Why are you going back to your old ways, is what he's saying. So many times we go back to old ways because it's comfort. We get around certain friends, we go back to their way of living because it's what we know. Instead of realizing and understanding what God has done for us, how he's changed us and set us free, we go back to what we know. And a lot of times that's sin, because it's easier. Instead of Peter standing up for the Gentiles when the religious came around, he went back to his old ways, and he led ours astray. Because here is the issue, and it's something I really tried to understand, because in Galatians chapter 2, it says that Peter got to a point that even Barnabas, one of the followers, was also led away by the hypocrisy. I'm like, how is, how is it such a big deal that others were led away? Because let's say you're out to eat with one of your friends. Let's say you're out to eat and you're trying to share the gospel. And let's say maybe even you have a beer. In your heart, you've been convicted. You know that in self-control it's okay to have a beer with your friend sitting here. But then, as you're sharing this conversation, you're teaching him about how God has changed your life, his love, you see someone from the church come in. You see Don Hall walking in. You see Don Hall walk up to the table and you're like, oh no, church guy, hide my beer. No, Don, that wasn't mine. I don't, I didn't know. No, that was his. He just told me to watch it while he went to the bathroom. He just told me to... Smell it. Make sure it smelled okay. You guys think I'm joking. You wouldn't believe the excuses that I've heard of it. Like, oh, no, this isn't mine. You didn't, I don't. But to the outsider, the friend you're trying to share Christ with, how does that come across to them? Straight hypocrisy. Because they're looking at you going, Jason, you were just sitting here fellowshipping with me until your religious friends came around. And now because they're around, you're going, whoa, 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 I don't do that kind of stuff. And they're like, wait, you literally just said you are enjoying my time now because religious around, something doesn't add up. See what I'm saying? Okay, maybe it's not a drink. This is the other one that absolutely cracks it. We all know denominations that don't believe in dancing. They think dancing is off limits. So here you are. You're jam. I'm not going to dance here because I can't dance. I'm, 
I can't dance. That's the bottom line. My wife absolutely mocks my dance, and my kids even make fun of my dancing. But let's say you're at a wedding, and the DJ starts cranking the music up, and you're like, oh, I'm just going to bob a little bit, and oh, I feel rhythm, okay, all right, we're good. And then you see certain church people who don't believe in dancing. You're like, no, 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 I don't, I don't do that either. I, dancing's off limits. Don't do that kind of thing. So then your friends at the wedding are like seeing you bobbing a little bit, like, hey, what are you doing? You're like, oh, no, that's, that's against my religious ways. They're like, wait, this doesn't line up. Something doesn't make sense. How many of you guys, if you're very honest right now, would say you can't stand hypocrisy? Okay, every hand should be going up because we can't stand it when someone tells us one thing and then they do the exact opposite. We're being hypocrites. But we all do it in one way or another. And this is where God needs to continue to break down our hearts and expose and convict us. Like I said, this week it was for me with those from the broken dinner. Going, Josh, you will pour into them. Then you see them on the street. Well, I'm going to walk this way. I, like I said, I can only imagine Paul being here going, you're saved by faith. Not by your works. You're saved by faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. If you're trying, trying to win that favor of God by works, then what did Jesus die for? Your works don't get you anywhere. Your works are a byproduct of what Jesus has done in your heart. And that's what we need to show people. Is Jesus has changed us so much that it's my faith that's going to lead them to the gospel. It's Jesus overflowing out of me that's going to bring him to him. Not my works. Not my religious standards. Not my law. By faith. It's crazy to truly think about the whole idea of racial barrier, though, in our country. Because whether we want to admit or not, it exists. I said 86% of churches today are predominantly black or white. There's a divide. It happens. How do we break that barrier down? There's broken people in our world. There's, there's poverty. There's high class. There's middle class. There's barriers. How do we break that down? Because we start looking at who Jesus was and did and changed us, how he changed us. And we allow that to be our motivation to go to those who maybe are the outsiders to go to those who maybe are considered the sinners. You know, in our book, Keller talks about it. And he says, he points out in the book that we'll associate with people on Sunday and shake their hand, but we'll never acknowledge them the rest of the week. Man, I would love to see this church get past that. Get past that point. Get past that point where we see a divide down the aisle. Get past that point where we have a judgment in our mind. Get past that point where we can say, God, you've changed them. You've changed me. That's all I need. That's enough for me. What if the American church could start living that way? Going, hey, you know what? Instead of being denomination, 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 and divide. Going, hey, Jesus died for me. He died for you. All right, that's all I need. Faith in Christ is our foundation. That's the bottom line being all in to truly understand what he's done for us.
It's crazy because even in this area, how many of you guys love high school football? <laughs> we get this kind of odds even with what high school kids go to. Whether you guys want to admit to it or not, Kurt and I and Lauren, like Johnstown, we know where the down, looked down upon school in the area. We've heard, oh, you went to Johnstown? Would you ever send your kids there? How many of you guys have even said it before? Like, oh, we know that those kids over there. Oh, man, I don't even know if I can go to the worship night tonight because this is a Johnstown High. That's a little bit different area for me. We don't realize how much these comments can hurt others. You know, it's Kurtz at the high school trying to change the culture there. But then students there are hearing this kind of thing, going, oh, we're looked down upon. This happens, guys. As a believer, as a church, so we need to see what it means to be all in for Jesus Christ. There is no separation. There is no on-off switch. This hour of the week, it's Jesus. This hour of the week, oh, it's my sacred time. There's no separation between the sacred and the secular. There's no such thing in God's eyes as well. Church time, that's sacred. Gym time, that's secular. Bible study time, sacred. Work time, secular. Mission trip, sacred. Friday night, secular. There's no separation because of Galatians 2.20. And this is where we're going to finish. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm yelling, I'm fired up. Like This is something that really... Gets to me right here. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. My old self, my old ways, my old laws, my old divisions, my old ways I saw people, how I, I judged them, has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ living in me. So this life I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This idea of faith is 24-7. There is no separating our lives. My life has been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. As a church, guys, we need this type of consistency when we go into the world, that they look at us and go, man, Ben, he's legit 24-7, in the gym, at the church. Jason, he's legit military, at home, at the church, cooking food, serving, whatever. You get the same person all the time. That's what faith is about, being consistent, the same all the time, because it's Jesus living in you, and at the end, because he loved you so much, he gave himself for you. God loves you so much, he gave himself for you, and it's out of that love that we can be consistent all the time, no matter who we're around. Insiders, outsiders, doesn't matter, because my Jesus is the same all the time times. There's not a separation. Whether I'm in Johnstown or Richland or Westmont, wherever I'm at, my Jesus is still with me. Whether I'm on black friends, white friends, doesn't matter. My Jesus is still with me. I'm living by faith. Whether I'm around the religious or those who don't have a clue, doesn't matter. My Jesus is still part of who I am. My life has been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Whether I'm here at the broken dinner, doesn't matter. Guys, that should be true of all of us. All in because Jesus was all in for us. All in because he died for us to take away our old mindsets. There is no more clean and unclean. It's about what God has done for us. 
D.L. Moody says this, The world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. By God's help, I aim to be that man. What if that became our prayer? Where we say, God, I'm fully consecrated to you. God, my work life, my home life, my church life, my gym life, God, my entire life, everything I am, all in for you. You died for me. You gave yourself for me. God, I want to be all in for you. Take whatever it is, God, that's holding me back from that. Allow me to see others the way you see them. What if we became a church that lived that way? The people looked and assessing in hypocrisy. They'd go, that's a church that's consistent. That's a church that when they say they believe something, they believe it. When they say they're going to do something, they do it. They don't just talk about it. When they say they're going to serve the city, they serve the city. When they say they're going to love the unlovable, they love the unlovable. When they say they're going to welcome the outcast, they welcome the outcast. When we do what we say, fully consecrated, fully in for God. But I will tell you, when we pray that way, there will be areas of conviction that you'll look at in your own life and go, man, God, I didn't realize I was doing that. I didn't realize I was treating people that way. Let him break those barriers down. Let him change you. Let your faith be what others see, not laws. Our world sees enough of the religious as laws. They see enough of the Christians pointing fingers. We need to be a, a church that the world can look at and go, that's a church that's about love because they love Jesus. Not love because we're going to water down the scriptures. Not love because we're going to say we want to give you fluff. Love because we love God first. And he's going to be our motivation. Let us be known as a church that is fully consecrated, saying, God, my life is yours. My life is yours. Let's go ahead and close our eyes. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. And maybe this morning I pointed out something that you know God's working on your heart. That you know in your mind and in your life there's areas that don't line up. Maybe you're sitting here, you're thinking, oh man, I have separated the sacred and the secular. But God, I, enough is enough. I want to be known for you. This message this morning is for believers. I said maybe a little confrontation. But maybe you're here today saying, God, I want to be that man, that woman that's consecrated for you. God, I'm all in. If that's you, just slip up your hand for me. Just raise your hand. You'll say, God, I'm all in. No more double life. No more double standards. I want, to, I want others to see me as a consistent model for you. God, you see the hands right now, and we praise you for that. And God, I pray right now conviction. The areas in our lives when we, we see the sin, we would change. And we would start to see others the way you do because of our faith in you. Realizing it's not our works that set us free, but it's your love. And it's your love that's going to change our world. Scott, I pray right now for those here today that you're working on exposing sin in our lives. In Christ's name, amen.